welcome back to Anchored. I'm so glad that uh, you have siphoned out some precious time in your day to join us here in the Anchored Studios. My name is Justin Rumley, once again, your faithful host here on every episode of Anchored. If you caught our last episode, you'll know that I was somewhat of a jerk and kind of left a little bit of a cliffhanger, (laughs) teasing you that we would get into more of a thorough theological, maybe more scientific discussion with Michaela Palm. So promise I will never do such a heinous act again, (laughs) but I'm so glad you are with us because this is exactly what you have been waiting for. For those who maybe this is your first time joining us, uh, we have Michaela Palm in studio. And uh, to give a brief little recap of what we talked about last episode, Michaela is a PCS alumni. She graduated in 2020 in that famous COVID school year, and she currently is finishing up her second year at ICC, but has some intriguing uh, passions that maybe uh, most of us would yawn through, but the Lord has specifically designed her with these passions where she uh, wants to major in geology. She, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but paleontology is another term that's going to come up. And uh, she's going to explain to us a little bit of what that is and then also walk us through some of her own thought process biblically and even scientifically regarding navigating some of those controversial issues regarding the debate about young earth, old earth, evolution, and I'm excited to kind of give her some airtime to even teach me a few things <laughs> along the way. So, Kayla, let's let's make the most of our time here. And how about we start simply by defining what is paleontology and even walk us through once again, why are you choosing geology and just how you kind of came to that decision? Absolutely. So when I realized in my freshman year, okay, I want to pursue geology with the intent of using it to teach other people, hey, we can be solid Christians and think solidly about scientific principles Mm -hmm. and how to do that. So um, when I went on my college visits, I very quickly learned that paleontology degrees don't exist. So paleontology is specifically the study of fossils in the rocks in the earth, put simply. And so I thought, okay, there's one paleontology degree in the entire United States. And it's like, all right, I'm not traveling that far out for this, just what I had decided. So I thought, okay, I'll look at local geology programs. So the way I've had to go about my searches is pretty much I'm partnering with the professors and the staff at the school to see if they would have the resources or the the knowledge, the specifics to help me focus on my goal. And I have found a school that is that. So uh, that's why my major is geology, but it's also with like a paleontology focus, if that makes sense. Okay, very good. Now, I'm sure what's going through my mind is going through our listeners' minds and thinking, man, science and Christianity don't mix or seemingly don't mix, especially when you get into studying rocks and fossils. Uh, you know, the idea of how old are these fossils? What about Genesis? Things of that nature. So maybe walk us through a little bit of um, is it possible to be a Christian and also be in geology? Yes. And then maybe we'll work through how you kind of maintain your faith or suggest that even your faith helps you be a better geologist. Yeah, sure. So um, Answers in Genesis has been a huge uh, proponent in this journey for me. And so I'll get into that later. But they just have a lot of resources online that are free. You don't have to pay for them. Just articles written by people who know the science that say, hey, as a Bible-believing Christian, and as a scientist, this is what I'm seeing in 
like, you know, at looking at whether it's the rock record or how old things are or what this fossil is, is there really DNA in here? All of those things are interpreted through a biblical lens, which I think is so important. And I'm just, there's so many things that I could talk about. It's kind of like, I believe it. it's awesome. I believe. Um, so I guess one of the main things that people think of in controversy to um, the Bible and just being a Christian is that's so much time, right? And if you are a young earth creationist, you know, it's around 6,000 years. We have a seven day, six day creation time. You know, that is something that's foundational to young earth creationism. So how am I, I'm a young earth creationist, so it's like, how do I go about that? For me, it's a lot of looking through, okay, what kind of dating methods are used? Um, because when I learned, like, in my, in my geology class I took, um, I had a great teacher. And when we went through, and I actually asked her about the dating methods that are used, because it's, it's radioactive dating, and I don't want to get too into it, but it's pretty much, um, it seems to me kind of circular, and this is just my interpretation of it, where we use the surrounding rock, no, we use the, they're called like index fossils, where you find a lot of the same fossil throughout lots of different rocks, and you kind of help gauge, okay, you know, this is the general time when these fossils existed, because they're all kind of together. So we'll use the index fossils to date the rock, relatively. Mm, okay. But then we'll use the surrounding rock to help date the index fossil, okay. and it's like, okay, that's kind of circular, is, and you yeah. need some sort of presupposition to say this was created in a flood, or this was created over time, right. millions of years in evolution. And so that's another thing um, that I've noticed, too, is there's a lot of presupposition of how do... You know, and it's, it's, we interpret things every day, and I think a lot of people think it's more complicated than it is. You know, we all look at different things every day, and we have different thoughts, different, um, really worldviews as we approach lots of different things. So in science, that shows through, because if I want to believe there is no God, I want to believe the only things that exist are in matter and nature, I'm going to see this fossil, like it's a T-Rex tooth or something, mm -hmm. okay? I'm going to see this as some wonderful phenomenon, right? So as a Christian, I see that T-Rex tooth and I'll think, okay, God created that creature yeah. and there is catastrophe that potentially led to this thing dying and now we have this tooth as like a a piece of what happened in the past kind of thing. Yeah. So you're going to, you're going to, you're going to look at things differently um, and I think it's interesting as I study different, like I'll read different articles or whatever, and um, I'll see at the bottom, they'll say like, oh, this must have happened very suddenly, or this was a catastrophe to create this incident throughout the rock record, which I think is so interesting because I hear a lot of that. Or this could have only been created, or this specimen could have only been preserved this way if it had been preserved in a flood. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like... Okay, guys. <laughs> I think I've heard that somewhere. Yeah. Flood. Let's see. Um, yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the controversy comes from, too, is just there's the evolution piece. Yeah. You know, and how do I, how do I as a Christian say to a scientist, well, I don't believe in evolution yeah. because that can come with a lot of discrediting. Right. And there are, there are scientists who are not really Christians mm -hmm. that will look at evolution and say, no, that doesn't make sense to me. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of intelligent design yeah. type things. Yeah, actually. And I, I don't mean to, to, to break into your role here because you're, you're doing some great things here, but it's so interesting you bring that up because I think we have to ha- eventually have a separate episode where we can even engage with some of the secular sources and authorities sure. that are fully admitting evolution has problems. Yeah. That it is somewhat disingenuous to assume we know what has happened in the past. And I think that's another component where it's not necessarily just a Christian versus atheist conversation, but even in the quote unquote uh, atheist camp, there's even disagreements and discussions over if evolution's even a viable or macro evolution, I should say is even a viable model to explain those things. And now Mikhail, I think, well, first off for our listeners, if you're listening to this and you're like, my goodness, this is some deep conversation. This is some deep terminology. First off, I'm with you and I am thankful (laughs) we have Christians who are going into this though, because I know studying rocks and science isn't my specialty, Mm -hmm. but I'm glad we have, you know, organizations like Answers in Genesis and people like Michaela to champion this. So it's not just a, you know, an atheism has a stranglehold or or monopoly on this area. Rather, Christians should rightfully take it back as part of God's dominion and stewardship. So First off, Michaela, I want to to direct our conversation. Mm -hmm. First off, I I don't want to distract us from where you were going because I know you have some great stuff that you want to talk about more. But uh, I I guess where I want to go here first is we know there are different ways people explain origins, right? So there's young earth creationism. Mm -hmm. um, And of course, we know there's kind of naturalistic, materialistic evolution. Maybe if you could, are there any other views besides those two? And maybe tell us briefly, what is some of your criticisms of specifically evolution? Maybe okay. what are your biblical criticisms or even what are some of the science and the fossil criticisms you can bring up okay. to say it's not just Christians who can criticize this, yeah. but even in nature itself? Sure. Um, yeah. So, okay, that's kind of a lot. So, <laughs> so sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. No. Um, so I guess as far as a lot of people, I think in Christianity specifically will say, oh, well, only, only atheists believe in evolution yeah. and yeah. things like that. But there are, um, there are some Christians who believe in evolution and like the, the term for that is theistic evolution, yeah. Yeah. which is basically saying like, you know, God ordained in a way evolution mm-hmm. and he used evolution as his mechanism to create the world, yeah. which would unite the fossil record and the Bible. Yeah. Okay, so there's that. And then a step... So I would say if you're going from atheism, which is natural, like most atheists, not Mm -hmm. all atheists, but there are some who believe that, okay, only there's this naturalist evolution, like it's evolution is the mechanism for how things are made. Okay, so there's that. And then I would say a step below that and a step closer towards Christianity is theistic evolution. Okay. And then I would say a step further away from evolution and closer towards young earth creationism would be old earth creationism, Mm -hmm. which um, basically, and I... I admit I need to do more research on this for sure. But um, my understanding of it at this point is looking at just, so we know what the scripture says, Mm -hmm. right? So the, the train of thought I think is really, well, the Bible and nature are going to agree. So if the Bible says one thing and nature says another thing, how, how we know they agree somehow. Mm -hmm. So in old earth um, creationism, they believe that the earth is not 6,000 years old. Mm -hmm. 
just based off more really just some astronomical numbers with light years and things. Sure. And it's more of like the the age of the Earth itself. Okay. I know I I know some people who believe in old Earth and they don't believe in evolution at all. Oh, okay, sure. So, and I think that's a common misconception. Oh, you believe the Earth is old, so you must believe in evolution. But that's not necessarily true. Okay. I cannot say at this point I know how they would associate. Okay, I know the Earth is old, but I also believe in the Bible, what it gotcha. says about creation. I, I can't make those ties, but I that's something I think is very interesting. Yeah. I want to know more about that for sure. And then there's young earth creationism that is like, you know, six-day creation, yep. rest on the seventh day. Um, earth is roughly 6,000 years old. You know, that th- it's not even really the number for me. Mm-hmm. It's more of what does the Bible say about creation? Mm-hmm. That's important because, you know, the, the other thing too that I necessarily don't agree with old earth on is the Bible is special revelation given to us divinely by God and nature is a general revelation. Mm-hmm. We can see the wonders of his creation out in nature every day. Right. Yeah. And um, like, I think there's a verse, I do not remember the reference, but it says something like even the rocks will cry out, yeah, you know? Absolutely. And so it's like, that is also a way to see God. Yeah. But I think just myself that they hold different weights mm-hmm. And it's like, if I'm going to interpret the Bible or science, like, which one am I going to go to first? Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at what the Bible says and then say, okay, what does the special revelation say about the general? Yeah. Just to me, that makes the most sense. Um, That's kind of how I see it. Um, And then I think... I, I think that's helpful. Sorry, yeah. I, I know our, our listeners can't see what I'm doing here, but <laughs> like every time Michaela says something, like a thought goes through my mind. And so I think that's a good starting place as well yeah. because um, you brought up different presuppositions and worldviews that go into how we interpret sure. evidence. And I want you to, to unpack all of these things you're saying even more. Uh, but it's so interesting, starting with the notion of as Christians, we acknowledge two forms of revelation, general and special. Right. So you brought up special is like scripture, general is nature. But it is, I think, a, a reasonable conclusion to say one is a little more clear than yes. the other, right? So yeah. the idea of, as a Christian, and your approach to interpreting both special and general revelation yeah. is to start with a high view of Scripture, right. the clearness of Scripture, yeah. and then engage with the second aspect of God's revelation, looking through the lens yeah. of special revelation. Absolutely. And even as just I consider... Um, even just some some friends and peers who hold to different views on origins and creation, just how some who maybe don't necessarily hold to the young earth perspective can sometimes, I think, mishandle those mm-hmm. two types of revelation yeah. and maybe even elevate general revelation to then, you know, their interpretation of that to then filter special revelation yeah. or assume they are both equally as clear and I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think your approach seems more reasonable. Yeah, and I, I've read a book that was all about the study of interpretation in the context of, do we listen to Genesis or do we listen to the general revelation? Okay. And it was really interesting to hear how they balanced the two. Yeah. Okay. Um, and their conclusion at the end, like I, I bought the book like two or three years ago and had to wait to read it because it was a little above my pay grade at the time. And then it's like, okay, now I'm at a place where I can understand and really like gnaw through some of this stuff. And their basic conclusion was more, it was closer to an old earth kind of view Mm -hmm. where um, science has a little more weight than 
um, the Bible does. And it's like, okay, we're going to see some of these things as a figurative day mm-hmm. to help accommodate that seemingly long fossil record. And I think I was going to um, get to this at some point anyway earlier. Um, when you look at like the fossil record in general, I think there's a lot of times where people say, well, the fossil record is bad because it proves evolution. And it's like, no, that's not true. You know, we look at things with our presuppositions. And one thing I thought was interesting a couple years ago, I did a presentation on that where it's okay. When we look at the fossil record, there are distinct blocks of time that are associated with different blocks of rock. Okay. And so they look at it and they say, okay, well, there's these really simple things at the bottom. Okay. And evolutionists would say, oh, there's these really simple things at the bottom. And as we work our way up, we get from really simple to really complex. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end of that record, we eventually have humans, right? Mm-hmm. And so at some, that's where I, they will interpret their evidence to say, well, that's how you get, you know, it's like the... That's where the stereotype, like, molecules to man kind of comes from, where you start with these, like, basic proteins or whatever, and whatever is in those bottom rocks somehow gets to these rocks that are on the top. Because in geology, we look at the rocks and we say, okay, the ones on the bottom are the oldest because they were laid down first, and then the ones on the top are the youngest because they were laid down last. So we kind of look at it that way, which makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. So. The way I look at it is if you're thinking, okay, with a biblical mindset, right? We know there was a biblical flood Mm -hmm. to, you know, cause the fossil record to occur. So, like, how, right? So, um, you know, if you think about, okay, the flood happened because of a fallen world. Okay, so this is another thing that I think is important because, um, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, Distracting myself with all these thoughts. Well, I, I just looking at your face, I can tell that your your mind wants to go eighty different yes, directions. It's like where do I go? And and that's how I can tell God has prepped you for going into these deep topics because you can think things these things through thoroughly. Sure. So continue on. Yeah. So um, you know, when I look at so if you're you're thinking in process, okay, so there's this flood that's happening, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't not remember where the verses are. I need to look at that. But in Genesis and the chapters where it talks about the flood, yep. you will find verses that say waters from the great deep burst forth. Okay. So you have water reserves in the earth, like in the crust that are shooting up. And actually a lot of those, um, like when you look at like how the earth forms, like in its crust and things, a lot of those places where the new crust forms and where there's some like water reservoirs and things, not that those are related, but just in, they're in the same general area in the sea. Sure. And so as I imagine the flood happening is it starts there. It starts in the deep sea where there are some reservoirs underwater where there's that extra pressure. And obviously there are those on land and continents too. Okay. So we have those, the, we have those reservoirs bursting with water that they were holding. And now obviously they're not. Um, and so what lives in the deepest part of the sea, these really obscure weird creatures that seem simple because they don't need much to live on. Yeah. You know, they're in a very desolate, tough environment. So it's like, they don't need much to survive because it's just difficult to survive as it is. Like they're making it, but they don't need all the complex things we do. Yeah. So for me, it's like, okay, you have these really seemingly simple things on the bottom and then the waters are churning and pulling other things in, right. As the rest of the flood. And then you have the rain and all of that. 
So it's like, okay, now we're, we're progressing up towards the fossil record and things are being buried under sediment as this water is just ridiculously churning everything up, right? I've heard it described as like throwing everything into a blender and just hitting mm-hmm. start, okay? Like that's this craziness that happens. So you've got that craziness. And then, all right, so we're, we're, at, we're at the simple, seemingly simple deep sea creatures, okay? And then as we start to pull other things into this madness, right? We've got some sea creatures that we're a little more familiar with, so maybe some fish and some other weird things that lived at the time. I mean, there's just some crazy <laughs> sea creatures that lived back then. It's crazy. And so we've got some of those things that are starting to be buried, right? Okay, and now as we're approaching... I'm trying to think through logically here. Okay, so as we're, you know, we're getting through the sea creatures, you know, then we start to see some land animals, right? Sure. So maybe some creatures that lived, like, on the land kind of, like, more amphibious, where they need land and water. We're starting to see some of those now being buried and fossilized because the damage, you know, it was all at once, but I think mm-hmm. to an extent, some things were buried faster than others. Makes as sense. the the um, damage of what the flood really did to the earth kind of progresses. Like, it starts yeah. somewhere, but then as it progresses, that's where we can see the building of the fossil record, for sure. Um, and then as, you know, we progress to things that are more land animals, yeah. per se, you know, where we've got these big dinosaurs and we've got all these things that, and I've heard it described by one of the answers of Genesis people, the animals that were capable of recognizing the damage and destruction would run, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to flee that. So maybe that's why we don't see some of these things until later on, Definitely. which is interesting because I didn't think about that myself, for sure. Well, well, and even as you say that, because I'm glad you brought that up, because so often I've heard the claim as well. Well, when we look at the fossil record and we see simple organisms to more complex, yeah. and a lot of people think, oh my goodness, the only explanation must be evolution. Right. But as you bring this up, and I think I've even heard the term like hydrodynamic sorting before as, as maybe a more I don't know, scientific description of that. At least that's what I thought I've heard somewhere. But what you're describing, I think, fits the idea that if there was a global flood, we should expect to see simple organisms buried deeper and more complex later on. So really, the fossil record would be just as much as evidence as a global flood. Right. And in fact, maybe we can even say more so since the flood would explain how fossils become fossils. Right. You know, compared to a long time of yeah. burying. And that was something that was just, like, there, for a time, I believe, I don't remember how long it was, or maybe it was just my perception mm-hmm. of evolution at the time. I don't remember. But I remember, like, as a kid, hearing people say, oh, fossils take a long time to form, right? Mm-hmm. But then it's like you start getting these things where, okay, we have found blood vessels inside these fossils, okay? Oh we have found, like, bone cells that create more bone cells, <laughs> fossilized in fossils okay so like to me it's like how does something like that form so slowly because it's going to deteriorate the exterior let alone what's on the inside and so i think after a while or at least maybe that was in my head just realizing the science is growing too um evolutionists and creationists now agree okay these things form fast so now it's more the argument comes from the interpretation of them. And I thought that was really interesting, that idea of, you know, you start at the bottom of the sea, and then why else do we have marine organisms all the way at the top of mountains? Oh, a huge question, right? right? My mind's blown. 
Yeah, you know, and yeah. okay, Michaela, here's what we're gonna have to do because <laughs> because we're we're at 24 minutes. Oh my goodness! And we're wow. still gonna go a few more minutes. I think this episode deserves some overtime. Sure. But um, if you're game, I say we do a separate episode on just a biblical critique of evolution. Yeah, I think that'd that be would fair. be awesome. And actually. At the end of this episode, I want you to give us a little bit of a teaser of maybe one of the biblical evidence that yeah, you find is absolutely. inconsistent. But then also, let's just set aside another episode uh, just for maybe the general revelation critique of evolution. Sure. Because absolutely. you bring up marine fossils on mountains. You bring up the idea of how yeah. the fossil record exp- or the global flood would explain why fossils exist, where they are, yeah. and so much better than maybe the naturalistic explanation. Yeah. Like, I-, I think people need to be equipped with this information. So in our last few minutes here, I want to um, give you an opportunity. And man, I even hate having to stop this episode (laughs) because you are on a roll. But I want to briefly give you an opportunity to, one, talk. (laughs) There's so much more to talk about. Because we briefly discussed the idea of how one interprets the evidence. Yes. And you brought up a book you've read that's important, so I want you to recommend that resource. Okay, yeah. But when a creationist and evolution utilize the same fossils, the same rocks, yep, yep. why do they come to such radically different conclusions? And then maybe just tease us at the end with a, a biblical critique or one little piece of evidence of a biblical critique of evolution, and then we will uh, wrap it up there. Yeah, um, so in kind of preface to all of this, um, when... My So I've actually had a chance to see the um, inner workings of Answers in Genesis as a ministry, um, which is which, a huge, which was a huge blessing because I think sometimes there was a misconception of, well, they're closed-minded and they only speak this way and that way or whatever. But the heart of the ministry is truly to bring people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if we have to talk about science and fossils or whatever else to do that, like that's kind of their avenue of, of ministry. But really the heart of it is to evangelize to people by giving them, hopefully, answers that might be a game changer for if they become a believer or not. Yeah. And, you know, they have other resources. It's not just science. They have a lot of theological things. There's a lot of philosophy, a lot of logic, um, which brings me to this book that I wanted to mention. So uh, Dr. Jason Lyle wrote a book called The Ultimate Proof of Creation, which I actually watched a video presentation, similar content, just different format, Um in preparation, actually, while that was my homework while I had my first internship, um, my mentor sat me down and she said, okay, when you go home tonight, I want you to watch this video and I want you to take all the notes in the world on how Dr. Jason Lyle explains the ultimate proof of creation, because it's probably not what you think. You know, it's not some secret fossil that no one's ever heard of. It's not some, you know, crazy... I don't even know what you would think it could be, but it's it's actually a lot more simple because he looks at how, you know, as, as Justin said earlier, it's more of, okay, there's the same fossil, but how does an evolutionist and a creationist come up with a completely different viewpoint, right? Well, Dr. Jason Lyle says it's how you look at the world. Your worldview is going to determine how you look at things. Yeah. That's why it's called a worldview. <laughs> um, sure. And so, you know, as... So the question then becomes, okay, if we all look at things with a different worldview, which worldview is correct? So how do you judge something like a worldview, right? So then he dives into, there's a little bit of logic involved, just learning different fallacies and learning just how to build a logical argument, which is more technical than it sounds. (laughs) 
So anyway, it's it's a great read because I think it gives a fresh perspective on you don't need to learn all these different things about the fossil record. You don't need to know geologic time to be able to have a discussion like this. It's helpful, but really at the end of the day, it's, it's really a worldview issue, Mm -hmm. you know, and that book does a great job. I'm not even going to try to like, you know, touch what he (laughs) says in the book because he does such a good job of explaining. Okay. Yes. Having these evidences are good. I'm not, I'm not saying that you, we shouldn't have these things. I think it can be really helpful. You know, maybe if you know someone whose question is, well, how in the world do I, you know, reconcile for the fact that I'm a Christian, but there's this big fossil record, you know, specific questions are helpful because it's going to help people grow in their theology. And it's also going to help them, you know, they're going to learn more about their God. Yeah. And that's really the end of the, that's the story. That's the goal at the end of the day. That's what we want. That's the, the, um, the most important part of the story is that right there, you know? And so, um, well, you even brought yeah. up the idea that the rocks glorify God yes, right, in that verse. Yes, so the idea that exploring geology and apologetics yeah. is ultimately not just to win an argument, but to glorify Christ and use it as a gospel proclamation yes, along the absolutely. way. Absolutely. And, and uh, now, Michaela, you're going to be going back to AIG this summer, yes. right? So what, what will you be doing there? What will you be researching? Perfect. Yep. So um, pretty much what I'm going to be doing. So I've been, had the pleasure of working with the paleontologist on staff. And it was really a cool moment for me because as I'm, you know, working through, okay, this is what I know God wants me to do, but okay, that's really hard. Yeah. And I wondered, is there someone in the world who does what I want to do? And I did. I I found someone who's on staff at Answers in Genesis, and I've been working with her. And that's what's cool, too, is she's a Christian woman. She's a mother. She's a wife. But she's also on, you know, the campaign for, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a scientist. And this is how... This is how it works in a way, you know, and she's learning and growing in her own way, but it's been inspirational to me just to see how she handles all of that. And so anyway, um, we're, I'm going for two weeks at the end of the summer. I'm going to be staying nearby the creation museum and commuting every day to uh, work with her on one of her projects. She has many projects. She's a crazy lady, but she does, she, she does many great things. And so we're going to be looking at the specific problem of, um, dinosaurs and birds and their relationship in evolution. It is common today. I know there's been things about it in the news that say, oh, well, um, dinosaurs had feathers because birds evolved from dinosaurs kind of thing. And so we're going to be looking at that, at that relationship of, okay, how do we know as Christians there's something wrong with this? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like, well, why does it matter that dinosaurs, they say dinosaurs evolved into birds. What does it really matter? It's it's a component of evolution, so we're talking about that. We're also looking at, okay, as Christians, we know there's something wrong with this. So how let's let's see what the science will have to offer as far as how can it help us figure out what we know is already true and just kind of filling in those details. And one thing that I have learned in my research to prepare for this is there are actually some Bible verses that speak to this very issue. So how fun is that? So I actually have my Bible with me. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, that's verse 22, it says, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. So that's talking about birds were created on day five of creation. Okay, so now we're in verse 24. It says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, 
livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. And that is on day six, because that's mm-hmm. after day five. And it says that in there, but I'm not going to read the whole passage for you. You can look up your Bibles and double-check me. Um, which is something that I encourage. You know, if there's something that you hear me say that you're like, I want to know more about that, or I'm not sure about that, I want to encourage you to go look. Because that is really what's going to help you in your journey, and also help you, you know, like, that's that's the best thing to do. You know, it's to double-check and figure out, you know what? Yeah, that's, you know, because it's ultimately, it's not about me or what I say, it's about... What does the truth of the Bible say? Mm-hmm. So that's really the main goal. But yeah, I so let me unpack this before I get... Yeah. Okay. So um, we have birds according to the Bible. We have birds created on day five and dinosaurs on day six. Mm. But the evolutionary theory will say we have dinosaurs first and birds second. Ooh, wow. And so that is something... Um, that's another interesting issue we will have to dive into later, is how the evolutionary timeline and the biblical timeline do not align. Yeah. And that's just an example of, you know, if we're going to believe that scripture is infallible, then this is true. Okay. This happened. Yep. So then what evolution says about the order of things coming into existence cannot be right if it doesn't agree with what the Bible says. And so that's just a piece of evidence that um, I know we will talk about much later because (laughs) there's um, only so much time in the world to introduce this very insanely crazy topic. (laughs) Well, and it's an insanely important topic, too. The idea this is is definitely worthwhile to spend some time diving into. And uh, Michaela, I could not have said it better uh, myself, the idea that you're diving into these topics to glorify God, to use it as a gospel uh, message. Who would have thought that studying rocks could be used to spread the gospel. So I am so glad that you are entering that and following the Lord's will. And I hope for our listeners of Anchor that you've been encouraged to hear how PCS alumni like Michaela are using their knowledge and their spiritual formation from Christian education to take a bold stand for Christ in a culture that seemingly uh, is drifting farther away from Christ. And uh, I've just been encouraged to see how much you just know. Um, You know, I mean, I went to Bible college and everything and I'm tracking with a good portion of what you're saying, but I think it's fair to say that you have a thing or two now you can teach the Bible teacher uh, (laughs) here uh, at the school. So I definitely want to have you back um, for a few episodes, and I think it'd be worthwhile to create some content where we could, once again, just have a a biblical critique of evolution for an episode, then a just a general revelation scientific critique of evolution that just people could always turn back to to say if they need a refresher, they yeah. know Anchor It as an episode. If they have a friend who has some questions, we'll Anchor It as an episode. Yeah. And that we could spend some time there. And um, in fact, after listening to Michaela, and if you listen to Hayden, you would notice that both of these alumni have a passion for theology and Christianity. And it's just pretty cool that you guys are uh, sharpening your minds and pouring back into the school. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's cool for me too, because um, especially with COVID and everything mm-hmm. happening, you know, it's like in my journey, just and learning at PCS and growing, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm here, I'm at college. I am not ready. <laughs> I am not ready to do this. But, you know, it's interesting how, like, the Lord will give you confidence, especially with something like this, where it feels like, oh my gosh, if I'm not able to talk about these things, it's the end of the world. But, you know, even if you're in a situation where something comes up, and maybe you've done a little homework, like, the Lord is going to guide you to the right conversation, and be able to, to help you work through it because ultimately the glory is for him for sure. And so it's, it's, it's encouraging for me to have these kinds of conversations. It doesn't happen for me a lot, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. um, 
So it's it's encouraging for me too, just to hear your feedback and just your interest yeah. in yeah. So what do you think about this, or what's your per- what's your intake on this? You yeah. know, and it's like I admit I don't know everything, yeah. but I'd like to hope that the things I'm able to say are, are encouraging and helpful yeah. to people that are listening in for sure. Yeah. Well, we may not know everything, but we definitely know more than we did coming into this episode <laughs> by listening to Michaela. So thank you so much. And I promise you, we will have Michaela back in studio uh, sooner rather than later, as I know we were all blessed to hear from her. So I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us in the studio. We went about twice as long as a normal <laughs> episode, but it was worthwhile and sanctifying every minute of it. So I hope everyone has a great day and I look forward to seeing you next time right here on Anchor. Thank you.